Welcome to another episode of the Being in Doing podcast, where I try to create a space dedicated to the unique minds that are all around us and hopefully bring you a series of stories that will challenge, inspire, and stimulate your being. And today I'm really privileged to be interviewing um, actually a teacher of mine, uh, Alec, uh, Alem Kadauskart. And the reason I uh, wanted to have her on her podcast on this podcast is that um, I experienced that she is able to gather herself in her peaceful center and connect with the world from that place. And by doing that, also be, bring a little bit more peace to us. So thank you for that. And now I'm very curious to hear the story. How did you manage to do that and what supported you in the journey? So welcome. Thank you for the invitation and thank you for the opportunity to share a bit of myself and my experience mainly through and about uh, this work that I'm doing. So we are, um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Me too. <laughs> so the first question is, uh, what are some words that you identify yourself with? Oh, uh, well. A woman, <laughs> a mother, uh, a wife, a psychologist, um, constellation facilitator. Um, so yeah, I could I could think of uh, a number of a number of words, but actually I'm trying not to um, think about myself in uh, in any categories i suppose and the the my 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 uh, journey of development really has been the journey of letting go of my many identities rather than trying to um, strengthen them or hang on to them or or uh, experience the world through them so uh, I I think there is there there are very little aspects of my life or my private or professional um, identity which which I hang on to. So it's um, um, I think I have been really uh, that that has been the part of the development. Uh, to let go of all these different aspects which which uh, really put boundaries on us. If you define yourself as this or that, you know, then there are certain limitations immediately in that. And then you're also expected to be in a certain way. Something is expected of you to behave or, or uh, just be in a certain way. And that is always... Um, limiting. So um, the more fluent we are with our identity, I think the more free we are then to experience the world in every moment anew and also to respond to that world from a, from a, a, a new place, if you like. Mm, actually, that's the word that was coming to me is experience. So how do you connect to your experiences and how do you then not let go of the identity that connects to the experience, but actually connect to the experience itself. Huh. Well, by by being in the moment, largely by opening myself up to whatever um, presents itself in the moment. Um, well, I have 
I have uh, uh, trained myself in a in a sense uh, in in a, in a certain kind of perception, uh, which is um, perception. Um, hopefully, like the immediate perception of the phenomena as they present themselves. So rather than having lenses of previous experience or of my fixed identity position um, or fixed position of any identity um, and um, leaving, hopefully, the judgments aside as well, so if we can just open ourselves up to what is and what presents itself without judgment, without immediately thinking, oh, this is good, this is bad, or I like this, I don't like this, um, or any type of, of uh, uh, filter that we put on our experience limits that experience. So if we can just open ourselves up to, to whatever presents without that judgment, as I said, even without previous knowledge and without previous experience, then we are more likely to be able to, to have this immediate connection with the world and with the present and with the now and with, with what is. And that, of course, is also a big aspect, as you know, of this work, constellation work, uh, which I do. So through that, through learning, through learning that work, through doing that work and through teaching that work, I have been um, I, I have learned really how to how to open myself up to experience and observe the phenomena as they present themselves. Mm. And so what do you think is then beyond those uh, categorizations, beyond the good and the bad, beyond the pleasant and unpleasant? So when you connect to that beyond, what is that that you experience? Well, that beyond is is I would say not really beyond, but that is that is the reality, <laughs> and only then actually we are able to perceive the reality as it is. Usually, how we go about our lives and what we perceive and what we what sense we make of the world, what we see in the world, that is basically an illusion. So it is it is going beyond the illusion, if you like, and trying to perceive the world as as it actually is. So I would now go one step back before jumping into constellations, which is what is what was your path to get to the constellations? <laughs> oh um yeah. <laughs> well, it's, where do I start? <laughs> where do I start? Yes. Where do I start? Um, well, of course, you know, I can start with with uh, the beginning of my life, but then where, when does that start? Also, we can we can ask. Um, and um, yeah, I could I could start with you know my family and what I was born into. Um, also through this work through constellations one thing that that i have learned is that um i can never be just me myself just an an individual um separate from from the family that i was born into separate from all the of my personal of course life experience or experiences 
but also separate from whatever happened in my family, my primary family, and also my extended family, or separate from what happened in my family system through many generations. So we know that we are defined by that, and we are that, um, and we are always connected to that part of the system, as we say in constellation jargon, if you like. Um, so it's uh, I am not just me, myself, uh, but I'm also my parents, and I'm also their parents, and I'm also my other ancestors, and I'm also my roots, um, and I'm also everything that happened in um, in this like extended family system, if you like, through generations. So that is all me. So yes, I mean, I could I could say that uh, I was born in 1960. Um, in Zagreb, um, but I also then need to add, you know, that I was born as a second daughter in my into my family, and that I was born to parents who were who them who were born in in the thirties, so who were growing up during the times of war. Um, and that is really something that, of course, shaped them. Uh, and what kind of parents they were, and not only them, but of course a whole generation um, uh, was shaped by war experiences, and so were my parents. So they had a difficult time growing up in their formative years, and there was, of course, poverty, and there was uh, trauma, um, and yeah, there were there were war involvements, there were um, yeah, deaths. So there's, there's, there's all of that that my parents were growing up with, and it is certainly um, a part of my family system then and something that has, uh, has influenced me. We also know that, uh, uh, that what, what shapes us our past experiences, as I said, often traumatic experiences. So um, in addition to these like war-induced um, situations, there were a number of kind of family tragedies which also shaped uh, my family and therefore myself as well. Um my mother lost a brother when he was just a few months old. It was so-called cough, cough, what we would call cot death these days, I suppose. So um, that was a big trauma for her and for her family. Um, father was imprisoned after the war. Her mother had uh, 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 typhoid. Um, so all of this, of course, shaped her and who she was. And then on my father's side, um, he was born. He was born prematurely, and he he didn't even weigh two kilos when he was born, for example. Um, and and in those days, no incubators, you know, no formulas, nothing like that. Uh, even though my grandmother gave birth in hospital, she was just discharged with a baby to go home and to wait for a baby to die. And uh, apparently he did fit in a shoebox. 
um, and was too weak to breastfeed. So he um, survived by uh, sucking the sucking on the bread, which was dipped in milk. The mother dipped the bread into milk, and he sucked on that, and that's how that's how he survived. Um, and just on the hope and perseverance of of my grandmother, who didn't want to um, give up on him. So, so this is this is something which is in my family um, system, and. Um, Regardless of anything, anything, any, any uh, uh, criticism or or me um, wishing things were different, or maybe that I got some things differently from my parents, um, all these pales into insignificance. Uh, uh, if you look at the fact that actually they did survive um, and they didn't manage to pass life on to me. So, and and when one looks at what cost and uh, under what circumstances, one can uh, only be grateful for for life and for, for my beginnings. Um, but this, I didn't always feel like that. It took actually many years for me to come to this position uh, because as many of us, I reprimanded my parents for what they did or what they gave to me or what they didn't give to me or what they didn't give to me. You know, I was also critical. I at some point in my life I distanced myself from them so so it took me many years to come to, to this position uh, of, of gratitude for life and accepting my life the way it is and loving them the way they are and this like uh, the, the making this uh, gratitude for life a default position um, of, of mine and how I approach life but as I said it took uh, quite some time and work on myself and of course the knowledge of constellation work with the help of constellation work I was able to come to that position mm, thank you for sharing this story and and I, I have this the, the image of of that that fits in a in a shoebox and uh, there is I always think about the two things one is we talk often about trauma but then the other one is resilience and uh, what you have just described is in an incredible story of resilience as well. And I'm I'm curious. There is one sentence that in our sessions you you often mention. It's at the cost of life, or I don't know exactly the translation. Putseni jivota. Um, and so I'm I'm curious. Uh, that position of gratitude uh, and the price that you have paid, you every one of us has to pay for for the life we are given. What is it? What is it that for you has been this thing that landed inside that felt like ah, oh, now this is the place where I feel the gratitude? Is was that like a small succession of steps, or did you feel like there was something specifically that landed really nicely? inside oh, I think it's a it's a gradual process and it happened uh, a bit by bit um, and it it um, often happens through through pain 
we first had to go through quite a bit of uh, anguish even, and uh, we have to, in a sense, uh, uh, test and feel what it feels like, like the other position, what it feels like and what it creates. Like when, when we do uh, not like our parents and when we are very critical of how they were and when we don't uh, don't uh, take them into our hearts yeah? and if we put ourselves above them and if we judge what they did or didn't do from our position <laughs> or the little one or of the you know more fortunate one who grew up in in uh, more fortunate circumstances so one first has to experience i think the consequences of such attitude which is often uh, yeah a lot of pain anguish depression uh, lack of success in life um and just just not thriving and the relationships being difficult and things like that. So, of course, no one goes and says, oh, yeah, now I'm going to do <laughs> the work. That sounds good <laughs> to take my parents in, to take my life in. No, it doesn't doesn't happen like that. No one does it like that. And it's not it's not just one thing. It is just it's um, it, that's how it was for me. And I'm sure it's like that for many others. It's a gradual process where we realize Okay, we, we test it and we see what what makes us successful and healthy and happy and what doesn't. So then you do more of what does make you happy and and um, um, joyful and more successful in life in general. Um, and and through constellations and of course from my personal experience I have found out that what makes uh, uh, what what makes that happen what allows for that is is this acceptance of life exactly under the circumstances in which it came to us so I can't wish for my parents not to have had war experience and not to have been traumatized. You know, that is just a stupid thing. Of course, I can't change the past. And now to wish that they didn't have these experiences and therefore that they did were not traumatized or that this didn't happen or that this happened differently and then they would be able to be different towards me or gave or to give more or, you know, something like that. If I wished for that, it is just... It is just silly because it can't happen. Um, and secondly, it is just uh, focusing, as you said, of, of what we didn't have and, you know, maybe focusing on trauma, but not focusing, focusing on survival, on resilience of survival and, and the magnitude of, of surviving and of passing life on through very maybe difficult circumstances. You know, this is just enormous. It is enormous. So if we focus on that and if we allow ourselves to feel that, um, then this gratitude just gets bigger and bigger. We feel better and better. And actually through this gratitude, it's like we have more. We have more. So if I'm grateful for what I did have or have received from my parents, then it's like I'm receiving more. Like it's just like um continuous flow flow of life and love 
Um, so gratitude actually, it's not like if you have more, you are you are more grateful. It's the other way around. If you're more grateful, you actually have more. Mm-hmm. And so here there is something that always stays with me because of some people I interviewed where um, the circumstances were so dire. For example, I think there was one person where the father has killed his mother. And, and so, you know, you look at that and and at least when I sit in front of it, like, how can we hold that in our hearts when it, it sounds so dire and so difficult? And um, I know you have a lot of experience, so I'm just wondering what are those sentences in these, in these specific, very difficult situations? And I also know tragedy or the word tragic is not so like we look at things with a bit more ambivalence in constellations and so this is what constellations brought to me to to not be afraid of difficult experiences but i'm wondering for people who are actually going through a lot of pain and who who are facing this i don't want to minimize that and so i'm wondering how how can we talk more about that basically mm. Well, it, it makes a difference if someone is going through some difficulties right now in their lives. You know, they're experiencing abuse or something like that. Of course, the response then, you know, is you have to respond in a certain way. Um, constellations mainly deal with uh, with uh, with past traumas, I would say, or with something which is not acute, but which which has set into certain patterns. Uh, which the person has been experiencing for a long time. And usually these patterns, they have their root cause in something that might happen in their childhood or even something that happened in previous generations or even something that happened three generations ago, which they don't know about. That's another aspect of constellation. Um, I don't want to talk about it right now, but... um, yeah, I just want to say that uh, constellations mainly deal with these like past difficulties, past trauma, past abuse, maybe, and past tragedies that happened in our in our family system. Um, so it is it is something um, um, which is not happening right now. So it is something that we don't need to protect ourselves from right now. It's about seeing how do we integrate this past experience into our present now so that we can be fully responsible in terms of responsible responsibility to whatever is happening in our lives right now, to our partner or, or whatever else. Um, and through constellations, we have learned that that what actually helps and how we integrate these experiences. I mean, we can we can um, do it in different ways, and we can again we can say, "Oh, it is it is terrible. It was terrible. It was a tragedy, and it's." I remain angry about it. Usually people people are angry about what happened. I cannot accept it. I cannot accept even that it that it happened or that it 
had to happen. So I'm fighting against it. I'm still angry, maybe somewhere deep down. Um, and a lot of energy is just tied in this like um, rejection of the event or situation and wishing it to be different. What actually strengthens us is looking at everything that, that happened, the way it happened, and again, looking at it in a way which doesn't immediately make this judgment, oh, this was terrible, <laughs> this was this was even bad, or this was a tragedy, or this was a trauma. As soon as we define it like that, we already are kind of are not in a good position. So if we can open ourselves to everything that happened, the way it happened, if we can look at it, and we can accept it, not in a sense it was good or no one is responsible or you know anything like that, or you know it wasn't it wasn't bad. It's not about that. It's about accepting that it happened and seeing, okay, how can I how can I move on from it? How can I take in what was good in it for me? How can I look at this event of a situation in a way which gives me strength and makes me into victim and and thinks it's terrible and and lets me and and uh, I remain stuck then for the rest of my life. And what is what is moving us forward is is connecting to the essence. Connecting to the essence, which is always, okay, I was given life, my life, under certain circumstances. A lot of good came with it or bad came with it. This is These are the circumstances of my life. I have only this one life. I can either make the most out of it and leave it to the full, or I can... Um, I can wish it away <laughs> or yeah, live in a way which is which is not really fully being in this life. Mm. And so uh, maybe it's a good moment to say something about constellations and um, because we have mentioned it several times and maybe you want to just explain what what they are and what their origin is and how is the work performed and how do you then if you want to choose to come to constellations, how do you do that? When do you think is the right moment? Hmm. Well, it's um, it's a very um, specific uh, approach to life's difficulties. I would I would say <laughs> I don't want to say therapy on purpose because um, it is not really therapy. Um, so we can't approach it in the same way as we approach therapy and we don't approach the issues in the same way as they are approached in therapy. And also something else is required from a person who wants to work on their issue uh, and also from the facilitator. That's how we call them, the issue holder or, or person who works or wants to work on something and the constellation facilitator. So we don't call it therapist, client. Yeah? Uh, that's already a, a different, um, different uh, framework, I would say. Um, and... Um, it is, it is for anyone. Anyone can do it. 
and it is for any issues we might have in life, um, like, um, for example, um, low life energy, uh, depression, anxiety, addictions, eating disorders, illnesses, problems with children, problems in relationships, relationship problems. Um, so really anything, anything that we can imagine as part of life. <laughs> so it's it's the the that's the uh, the area that constellation works with or that we can apply constellations in. So in any issues that that we can imagine, which is part of life and maybe even part of death, death often often figures uh, prominently in constellation work. Um, so yeah, that's the first thing that that we can say about it. Um, the second thing is that uh, that constellations uh, happen in, in a certain um, field. We move in a certain field with constellations where we receive informations from the field, from the energetic field, we could say, of a person or of a, of a family system or intergenerate or ancestry system. Um, and this information is not something that comes from our head. So often through constellation, we get information which, which a person doesn't really uh, know about. We, we get information about the events or some situations in the family system, uh, which consciously the person even doesn't have any information about. So that is that is another aspect of constellations, which is okay. We rely on energy fields, and we rely on the information which comes from those energy fields. So it is energy work, we could say. So for you, as a as a constellator, as a as a facilitator, um, what helps you to, um, <laughs> let's say to stop your mind from getting involved <laughs> and uh, from connecting to those energy fields. So what? where's that practice um, in? Because I've seen you working and I can see that happening, but um, I, I don't know if people can actually imagine how that looks like. Yeah. Well, uh, as you know, it, it often is done in groups where people uh, choose from members of the group, for, for, from the participants, they choose um, people to represent certain members of their family, usually. We work with family systems, but we can work on other systems as well. Um, and, and then these uh, representatives uh, experience certain sensations and simply get information from the energy field. Um, and the, the more we can uh, open ourselves up to, to that, and the more, uh, as you mentioned, we can, we can, um, we can connect with, that with the energy of that field, uh, the more uh, we are receptive to receiving information from that energy field. Um, 
And, of course, there is always this question, well, maybe people are bringing something of their own into it or, yeah, maybe a facilitator is guided by her or his um, uh, judgments or um, views or opinions or anything like that. And, yes, that can all, that can all happen. Uh, but what is the, the the prerequisite really for facilitating this work is to try to be as open as possible, as empty as possible, as without you know uh, judgments possible, and not relying on our previous experience, on on books, on theories, or on you know on our life experiences, nothing, nothing, just be totally open to what shows itself. If the degree to which we manage to do that um, is the degree to which the constellation then un unfolds um, uh, faithfully to the that system that we are working on and also the degree to which the, the healing, we could say, happens. Through, through a constellation. Because we have also realized that just being in this field uh, does us good. And it is not something, some intervention which a facilitator does. So it's not an intervention uh, on the on the part of the facilitator so much which brings, which brings positive change and which brings difference, but it's actually it's like you know these these forces which are working in our fields or through us they are actually um uh, moving us if we let them if we allow ourselves to be moved by them they move us towards greater health towards greater balance towards greater harmony towards greater success towards greater joy in life it's like it's like getting in touch with 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 our own nature our own true nature um and getting in touch with the with the mystery of life and getting in touch with with the the the, the yeah the healing forces, we could almost say divine forces, which work through all of us. So the more we, we surrender to that, um, the, the more successful, we could say, the constellation is, or, or more, uh, more benefits that the whole process brings to the person who is, uh, who is setting that. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, you, you mentioned healing in health, and one of those topics that we cover is is health in constellations. And I I'm curious, uh, what what insights have you gotten about health through the constellation work, health and sickness? <laughs> Yeah, well, that's that's uh, a big topic, and of course we could talk about this uh, uh, for a long time. And uh, yes, indeed, we have whole modules, uh, as you know, devoted to to this particular topic. Um, but I will try to say something about it uh, in, a, in a kind of uh, 
concise, concise, and and give give the 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 essence really of of um, constellation approach to to illness and sickness. Or really, I I could I could just say that what we what we have learned about it through constellations about illness and health um, is that illness is almost always an expression of some disbalance in the system, very often in the family system, which doesn't mean only our, our current family or only our primary family or not even our extended family. Yeah? It also includes our ancestors, so it goes a few generations back. And we see that illness is often connected with, with something which happened um, in our family system and some trauma which hasn't been resolved. So someone has somewhere been excluded or forgotten or treated unfairly or some, some crime wasn't punished or there was something which had to be done and, and said, but it wasn't done, so something unfinished. Um, so it is it is things like that, which actually created this disbalance in the system. And illness, actually, we have realized or learned through constellations that illness is an attempt of the system to fix things or to include those who have been excluded, or to include that which has been excluded, which can be a, a, an emotion, or as I said, responsibility, or guilt, or something, something like that. So something has been excluded, something has to be looked at. Yeah, because we often think, yeah, what, what happened in the past doesn't matter what we... And you know what people often think or used to think in previous generations, uh, in particular, what children don't know about it can't hurt them. So then we try to protect our children by not talking about this, by keeping something secret. It turns out that exactly that which we are trying, which we are keeping secret, which is not out in the open, exactly that is hurting uh, our children. Mm. And sorry, yeah. uh, I, I'm curious actually there um, about keeping these secrets, but then we know that children are also not to be used as someone to carry our pains. So where do you think uh, the integration for the parents or is it that the integration has to happen in the parents so that the child would not implicitly pick up on these things? How do you think then now having this knowledge through Constellation can help us, the parents who are now parents, to, to, to not be afraid of, what if I say too much or say too little? So what do you think then is the work of a parent here and now with the knowledge we already have? Yeah. Uh, well, as as you you know hinted at in your in your question, um, it is it is yeah mainly uh, the work of the parent on their own issues, so to speak, or on the issues that the parent takes from their primary uh, family uh, or from from earlier on. So it is 
often like these entanglements, we call it in constellations, when we are entangled with some trauma or some something that happens in previous generations, often that entanglement does, does have a source somewhere in previous generations, something that happened earlier. So something that doesn't have to do with a child now, you know, and certainly a parent doesn't, cannot resolve it or, you know, say by saying this or that to a child. The parent uh, looks at, hopefully, at these issues uh, himself or herself so that so that the child doesn't have to. Because if if we don't resolve these entanglements, they are passed on from one generation to another. So if I, as a parent, don't resolve it, I will pass it on to my children totally unconsciously. I can be totally un and unwillingly, of course. No one, no parent wants to pass something bad to their children. Um, but it happens. So if, if we don't disentangle the entanglement, our children pick it up even though we, we don't want that, and even we try everything to protect them from that, the best protection is to, to do our own work. Mm. And I just want to go to the, to the um, uh, small um, figurines, and I want to ask you, I love that, I love, I've seen many of those images, but I want to ask you, what do they mean for you? The... Figurines, which I on on your table. So the aha, uh -huh, these ones. Yes. Huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, this is uh, American pre-Columbian art, really. Uh, not the original, of course, but they they are that's uh, the copy of this uh, of that. Um, uh, uh, that's where it comes from. Uh, but the image is just um, often used to to um, invoke these or to portray the interconnectedness of all uh, beings. So that's why I like it. Um, and yeah, it just it it's it is remindful of this uh, knowledge that we are all connected and that everything is connected, uh, which which. Tribal people, you know, before um, um, before this Western materialized civilization developed, and um, um, the tribal people knew about that. They knew about these uh, laws of um, life and the laws of love. They knew about the order which which consists which exists in in the universe they they knew about um, um, how we have to be and how we align ourselves with the spirit um, so that we are thriving and that we are good and that that we have good uh, interrelation relationships and and um, what whatever we consider successful life um, they knew that this connection, mainly and primarily to the spirit, is is essential. Without that, there is there is nothing. And in constellations, partly we we tap into this ancient knowledge, and it is partly the knowledge about um, 
as I said, the, the ancient laws of life and the order which exists. Um, and it is it is partly the knowledge about um, um, how to how to relate to that and how to how to tap into that. Uh, if you like through like shamanic practices, also sh shamans were the 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 uh, or are uh, the ancestors of constellators, day <laughs> 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 constellators. So shamans were doing energy healing work, and this is really what what constellations are. And um, we know that Bert Hellinger, who was um, uh, who is a founder of this uh, work, also spent uh, 16 years in Africa um, and was was quite in touch with uh, tribal knowledge of the Zulus. So this this knowledge uh, that we rely on in constellations and maybe in some modes of healing, but certainly the connection with with the energy or with the with the essence we could say or we could say with the spirit if we don't have ooh, <laughs> bad reaction to that to that concept or a, uh, or a name um so so yeah the, this is kind of reminiscent of of all of that and constellations do put us in touch with this ancient knowledge and with our with our true nature, in a sense, which we have um, forgotten about, <laughs> I think, in modern times. So, in, in essence, in constellations and with constellations, now we are like rediscovering the wheel. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would like to hear more about your experience of working with Bert Hellinger. But maybe before that, just how did you get to constellations? Oh, um yeah well at, at that time I was uh, I was living in Australia um because yeah that's where I spent 20 years of my life and I was um I was studying gestalt therapy at the Gestalt Institute of Melbourne so it, it was really through gestalt training that um, that I got in touch with constellation work um and it was like, oh wow! <laughs> um, I was taken by it, and from then on, it was like I, I couldn't couldn't leave it alone, really. Um, um, so I, um, at that time, there was in Australia, there was no one. So the the, the person who I um, experienced through came from England to to teach it, um, and uh, yeah, there was no one in. In Australia, who knew about it, so, so there was no opportunity to learn there. Um, that was in the nineties, ninety five, I think, when the first, when I was first exposed to the to the work, and then I had to find ways how to learn uh, more about it. So uh, rather than waiting for this person to come once a year to Australia, <laughs> well, that was how it went at the beginning. Um, but then I, I I looked for opportunities in Europe to study directly with Hellinger and then with his his closest associates then. So um, yeah, there were these international intensives and um, yeah, and then attending just as many workshops as possible with as 
many facilitators and then doing the work both in Australia and in Europe, you know, starting to, to do it by myself and learning through it because there is no um, specific training for this approach and no uh, accreditation or no, uh, it is not regulated really uh, as as. Uh, other te therapies are so it was mainly learning through experience through exposure to this work through spending as much time in the field as possible um, and of course like being with uh, experiencing Bert Hellinger doing this work and actually having had a good fortune to have my own uh, constellation facilitated by him um, that was really a, a life saviour for for life-saving for me and it was um, um, a game changer in terms of like my my life path and so from then on I just knew I had to um, devote my life to this kind of work uh, and it often happens like that people feel drawn to the work they say they feel called to to experience it and then they feel called to do it, you know, so there is kind of, the work takes hold of you, you know, rather than uh, you getting hold of the work. So, yeah, that's that's how it um, happens gradually. But, yeah, then I, I really, um, um, I worked as, as a therapist and I worked as a psychologist uh, um, for, a, for a while, a good part of my professional career but now I abandoned all these identities I don't identify myself as a gestalt therapist anymore or even as a psychotherapist or um, uh, it's so constellation facilitator this is what what I do and even this is becoming a bit of a narrow <laughs> definition of, of myself or a identity so maybe I'll, I'll change that too <laughs> human <laughs> human in the service of life because this is that is a borrowed phrase from Bert Hellinger again when they ask him okay well is this do you are you is this psychotherapy are you a psychotherapist and he said no well how do how do you describe yourself they ask him well someone in the service of life he said and that is that is beautiful, and this is really what this work is. Uh, it is in service of life, and through it, we we are just serving life in in um, uh, many different ways, and the kind of most uh, uh, in the broadest sense imaginable. Hmm. And uh, I'm curious, what brought you to Australia? How how did that come to be? <laughs> That's quite a distance from Croatia. <laughs> it is. It is quite a distance and um, it has been quite a journey, <laughs> not only in, in kilometers, um, but uh, yeah, in, in uh, uh, every other way. Um, well, that, that story really started uh, uh, when I was 19 and when I oh, fell in wow. love. <laughs> of all places in the romantic island of Hvar and of all people um, I fell in love with a Serb so with uh, my <laughs> he was from yeah. Melbourne 
Uh, we need to mention what it means for a Croatian and a Serb to. <laughs> uh, you need to explain the context because I don't know if people in English would know it. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, well, that's uh, a troubled context. <laughs> Whenever there is a Serbian Croatian connection, there's there's trouble <laughs> ahead. And yeah, actually, we got we got together, and I have moved to Belgrade rather than just staying at home and attending university like it was it was expected of me, and then maybe getting married or things like that. Uh, when I was nineteen, I, I moved to Belgrade, and I I, I actually studied psychology there. I um, enrolled into the psychology course at the University of Belgrade, and. Um, um and got my degree from from there um and I yeah that's oh, that's like a it's uh, like a past life but it's a big um, big part of my life and I really enjoyed my life there in Belgrade there were student days and uh, we were both students um we got married and studying and yeah i finished actually my degree in pretty much completed it in pretty much the like on time which is <laughs> miraculous seeing that um we were just um uh moving from one place to another living in these uh, converted garages and in rented places and and yeah, just playing cards all night with our friends, so <laughs> going out a lot. <laughs> um, so I, I loved I loved that time. Um and later on we moved to Zagreb, and this is where we where we had our daughter. Um but that was all like the late 80s and the the troubled uh, relationships between, I mean, all of Yugoslavia, former Yugoslavia, but especially between Serbia and Croatia, uh, which led to the war then. I mean, it was already on the way then. So, um, yeah, being in an ethnically mixed marriage, we couldn't really find a place either in Zagreb or in, or in Belgrade. So that was the reason why we uh, migrated to Australia then in '88. Um, so yeah, that's that's how I got um, to be in Australia. And then our daughter had only a year and a half, so but we we went there for a few years only, but then it turned out to be twenty <laughs> for me. Um, and in the meantime, then because the war broke out in at at home, so then there was no going back for a while, and then the war broke out in our relationship of course, as well, and then we divorced there in Australia, um, and yeah, I, I proceeded to live there for a number of years, and that's that's another, like, past life and a big chapter of my life. Um, I loved, I loved living there, too, it was, it was, um, Australia is beautiful, so there are, um, the special heart special place in my heart for for Belgrade and also for Melbourne where I lived for for all this time 
And I traveled around Australia quite a bit and raised a child and got my master's degree in psychology and completed my gestalt therapy training and a number of other things. So it was a very rich and uh, rich time. Not easy, not easy. It was quite difficult at times, but also uh, I think I used it in a very good way, and it was it was very good for me, uh, you know, overall. But then um, when I got together with Max, my husband, um, uh, who is German and who also lived in Australia. Um, we kind of wanted to come back to Europe. So it was, um, uh, we decided to to do that. Um, so in, I think, 2008, we, we came from Australia and we came to live here in Zagreb. And now we live on the outskirts of Zagreb in this, uh, in what used to be a weekend, uh, my parents' weekend, uh, um, among the vineyards. And we only have rainwater and we live in beautiful nature. So this is where we, where we found our place. Um, yeah, which is, yeah, which is really not really. Um, it could be anywhere, <laughs> but we created our our universe really here, and this like being that being close to nature is really has become more and more important throughout. You know, like in all these years, and and being now in this this later stage of our lives, I suppose that is really something which we both care about and um, that's really important for us to be in touch with nature. So this is where we live now and this is my journey from Zagreb, Belgrade, Australia, Wow! back to a private universe. <laughs> wow. I, I mean, another th one thing that again comes to me is the word resilience. <laughs> and uh, I could just imagine again being and I'm, I'm saying i could just imagine actually i lived it so i could just imagine how is it to live with, with far away from your family and getting divorced and i'm i just realized that i have gone through the same thing so okay so so, so i just okay. <laughs> yeah so so and 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 in the same time finishing the gestalt training and getting to know <laughs> constellations so i feel a lot of resonance there and um yeah i'm i'm wondering what what was your support there what did you find as support for you and how did you go through that period yeah migration migration and like living in a in a different country as you know <laughs> is is uh, quite uh, quite an experience and certainly an experience which shapes us and our I, our identity. I could also say I'm a migrant. One of these, you know, <laughs> identities. And I, in Australia, I worked a lot with migrants. I worked with uh, uh, people, helping them to resettle actually and to to find their feet in in a new culture. I worked with refugees a lot. I worked with people who experienced torture and trauma, war torture and trauma. So I I, I worked a lot on these issues of displacement. Um, and of course, I was displaced myself, and I could feel what it was like not not being able to speak in your language, not you know not being 
something which is not familiar and which you you did not uh, were not born into and did not grow uh, in uh, or with. Uh, so yeah, I think it's a, it's a definitely a, a determining or shaping experience <laughs> the, the migration. Um, yeah. I had very little um, support system in in terms of like you know no no family there, so it was just the friends who I uh, who I made there, um, and then as I said, divorcing. So then you don't have a, a support of the uh, partner, you know, or the, the, your your partnership is not supporting you anymore in that process so that was um, it was um, yeah very very tough um and this is really where i experienced what what uh, what supports us in life and what um, what doesn't and i realized how uh, not just being physically away from our family our parents our roots uh, our country, our birth country, what what that does to us, that is not that is not a problem. You can you can go, you know, you can physically be away. Um, and if you have your parents in your heart, if you you are if you are well connected, if one is well connected with one's parents, um, then one can be at home anywhere and the migration is not such a problem. But if you if you cut yourself off here, you know, from your family or your parents, as I said before, maybe because you reproach them for something or have some some complaints <laughs> about your life and them, um, and yes, and then if you if you are away from your country of birth, and then if your country of birth is going through the war and you are not always in tune. And in agreement with what's happening in your country, um, then it's like you you are a tree with 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 roots cut off, and you cannot. There's no support. You know, doesn't matter if you have I don't know how, you know, this physical support uh, of whatever kind. If you don't have this support, which comes from your roots, in a good connection with your roots, first and foremost with your parents, then with your family system, then with your ancestors, then with your culture, then with your country of birth, but mainly country of birth and the mother and our mothers. We have to be connected well with, with them. If we are not, if we are not connected well with our country, if we are also having all these accusations of our country, if we are critical of it, you know, if we if we don't love it, in a sense, then we also cut our roots and also can't thrive, whether in that country or then especially somewhere else. So this is what I have found out the hard way and in my own personal experience and through the experiences of working with people who were displaced themselves. So what is, what is important? What gives us support? It is our good connection with our roots. And First and foremost, good connection with our parents and good connection with our life, the way it came to us through them. This, this is what gives us support and this is essential. You can have everything else. If you don't have that, you don't thrive. 
And if you have that, you can thrive in all sorts of circumstances and in different countries and whatever. And so, so it is, I found really, yeah, that, that that was essential. And I came, I, yeah, um, I could say it was, it was so difficult at times to, to survive there. You know, there's like, a few, I could easily say, a few times I came to the brink of survival in this or different way, uh, or this or the other way. Um, and and that really forced me to find, to, to find the connection which which enables me to survive and which feeds me and, and supports me. And this was mostly good connection with my parents and then good connection with my country and most of all good connection again with our true nature and with the spirit of existence and with the forces which work through us and through through the cosmos so this is what gives us support and like fixing things <laughs> on the surface or just working on your, um, I don't know, this trauma, that trauma which you experience yourself personally, it doesn't, it doesn't cut it. It doesn't. Do it. You have. We all have to be connected well with our essence and with the essence of life. And the only way to connect with that essence is through our parents. There is no other way, <laughs> because most of us try to. Uh, bypass our parents and to connect directly with the source <laughs> by belonging to some spiritual community or, or finding a replacement uh, for our parents. So it doesn't work that way. So we have to connect with the essence of life through our parents. And when we manage to do that, then this is where we get our strength from and our health from. And success from, and I'm I'm curious. Um, this is just um, almost as if is this just like a developmental stage where we go through and the anger is there. We, as you said, we need to explore the edge of the anger on one side, and then slowly coming back to the acceptance of everything that we have also uh, received. Do you think we can bypass that step or do you think that's a healthy part of actually allowing ourselves to feel the anger for the things we haven't gotten and then that we can take them into our hearts? Because, I mean, uh, for for me, I, I kind of felt like I could not avoid that anger. <laughs> but I, I wonder if maybe some people can and, you know, I can advise them to do differently than me. <laughs> Yes. Uh, well, everything has its place. And of course, anger can also serve us well because it's uh, like it's um, it's an energy which forces us to do certain things. So um, so there's there's place for that. But um, it's it's not actually very useful. And, and just feeling anger or just expressing the anger, you know, it doesn't get us anywhere. There's always more anger than to be expressed. Um, so. And in, in constellations, we don't actually encourage uh, the expression of anger or feeling of anger. And um, 
Yeah, we, we always uh, constellation work is very pragmatic. We always look at what what serves us, what doesn't serve us, what takes us further, what keeps us stuck. So, um, anger keeps us stuck, and it doesn't serve us well. And it's it's really um, uh, if it gets if it can get bypassed, it should get bypassed, and it's it's. Um, as I said, it's not uh, useful. So that's not the emotion that we would like work with uh, in constellations. Actually, we don't work with any emotions, but we certainly don't encourage anger because anger uh, is a rejection, yeah, and it and it takes us away from. We push it. We push it away from ourselves. And what are we angry about, or who? At usually at our closest, usually at our parents. So we just push them away. We push them away. And what is what we found the, the solution is for, for our life and for our thriving. How we thrive is by inclusion. Inclusion of everything and everything that happened exactly the way that happened. And once you are able to do that, and through constellations, it's it's uh, easy to bring a person to that point pretty pretty quickly. And once the person is able to do that, then there is no anger. Anger disappears. Anger disappears as as an emotion. So it is the solution is in in accepting, in opening ourselves to everything that is, to how it happened, accepting that. Um, accepting that these are the circumstances of our lives. And when we do it, and when we are grateful for what we have received, and especially when we are grateful to our parents for giving us life, this is this then opens uh, a whole new world for us. Then only we can have our full life. Then we can be free from our parents and from, from whatever happened. And we can carve our life for ourselves. Only when we accept our our bonds and 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 our traumas, if you like, or whatever happened, and if we accept our parents the way exactly they are and the life exactly how it came through them to us, then it's like ah, it's then we are free. It's freedom, freedom from anger too. You know, anger keeps us stuck. So then we are free to experience life, to live it fully. Then we have access to full life energy. Before that, we don't. So we cut ourselves from life energy. So, um, yeah, that the connection with the with the gratitude for what we have received that connects us with life's energy and enables us to live our life fully. Is how we can, you know, with all the all the advantages and all the limitations that we were born into, and we happily live within those limits. And if we are, you know, without anger, and if we have loving relationships, and if we are joyful, <laughs> um, then yeah, I, I uh, readily accept my limitations or the limitations of my life. Mm. And uh, maybe this ties in well with the questions of success. So how do you see success yourself or through constellations? Yeah. Yes, well, 
exactly like that, what I've just described. Um, we, we are successful only when we can do this movement, which I just described, and only actually this when we do this movement can we have uh, what's considered like more ordinary success in life. Can only then we can be successful in life um, um, in like um, material ways, if you like, or in relationship ways, whatever. Um, however, it finds um, its expression. But success in these like constellation things um, really the 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 first success is is us coming into life that is our first success we could even say you know the the sperm and an egg coming together you know which is one in a zillion chance that's our first success and then if pregnancy went well and birth went well um, and we came into this life, that's the second big success, huge success. And the odds are, you know, that anything can happen, you know. So um, we, we need to celebrate that success. And then if we manage to connect with our mother and if our mother managed to put us on her breast and if we manage to latch on to her and and feed and breastfeed, that's our second success. And then if we manage to keep sucking on life from our mother and taking whatever comes to us from our parents, receiving, receiving in gratitude, then then we are well set up for our life and to be successful in life in like more ordinary ways of, of uh, understanding success. But really, success in life is um, connecting with our life energy and living it to the full. That is successful life, isn't it? I mean, it's not well, having a lot of money or... <laughs> it is... Uh, Connecting with your life, living it fully and living it to the full the way it, it is given to us. And every life has got its particular circumstances. So it's not like we are all successful and they're not objective. There are no objective measures of success, of course. You know? So what is life success for you? How does your life succeed through you will be different from how my life succeeds through me. Mm. I I must say this has been one of the most beautiful de descriptions of success I have heard so far. So thank you so much. <laughs> and uh, I'm curious in your own process, what do you think was the truth about reality that you were resisting and that you kind of were unwilling to accept for the longest of time that was kind of impeding your accepting life as it is? Um, the I think I think living and 
progressing <laughs> with your life or, or with your development or growth, if you like, is is a continuous process of of giving up on illusions, really, and connecting more and more with with reality. So we all start with with incredible illusions about love, life, success, <laughs> all sorts of things. Yes. So. Uh, but then, bit by bit, life teaches us. Yeah, as I said, usually the hard way. We have to learn the hard way. So it seems. Um, so yeah, it is. It is just. I see it just as a constant process of giving up on illusions. Hmm. But the next question for me is: Love is, <laughs> and <laughs> you just said that partially we have illusions about it but after you peeled off some of your illusions what is left for you <laughs> what is left after we peel off all the illusions no I, i'm saying uh the next the, the question i had on my list was love is so in your own process when you peeled all these layers of of messages what's left for you about love oh, okay um Love is at the risk of sounding trite, I will say it. <laughs> love is <laughs> the biggest force in the universe. And love is the essence. Um, of course, not the romantic love that we you know um, think about when we when we mention that word love. Love has got nothing to do with, with romance or with romantic love or even with the feelings of love. Love is definitely not the feeling. Love is not a feeling. Love is um, is um, as I said the force in the universe which holds everything together. Um, and it is it has got many faces. And it uh, follows certain order. It follows certain laws, natural laws, um, the laws which are given uh, and which which seem to permeate um, the whole universe, not just our families or uh, just much much broader than that. Um, so love is is a very strong force, which, as I said, follows certain order um, and certain laws, and which um, only if we we learn about these laws, laws of love, that is also Hellinger's phrase. This this is how he called it when he first encountered. Uh, the experience of it really through constellations. That's how we know about these laws because we see them at work in a constellation process. And through many constellation uh, processes, to understand some universal laws of love, which he observed in in um, in constellations and in many working with many different. Um, um, families and he understood that um, if we want to if we want to have love in our life 
we need to uh, be in harmony with these laws. So there are certain things that we have to do and certain things that we must not do if we want to, to have love in our lives. But as I said, love, oh, love is, is much broader than what we, than, you know, the, the, a bond between two people, a romantic love. So we could also say that love um, means accepting life of its own, on its on its own terms. So love of life. What is you know love of life? How can we love life? We can only love it if we fully accept it the way it comes to us. So. Um, And we can only be loving towards others and experience love if we have this basic love of life. And another thing we can say about love is um, that love um, doesn't judge. So love means being turned to everything and everyone equally. If you say we love everything and everyone, what does that mean? We don't make a judgment. I like this one. I don't like that one. I like. I prefer this one. This is bad. This is good. So, no, we are equally turned to everything which exists. Everything. All the events, all people, all nature, all laws of life, we just turn to everything equal. There's no judgments, no exclusion. So it's like some some form, love is a form of universal acceptance or radical inclusiveness. Mm. Mm. <laughs> radical inclusion. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And on the other side we were we we're talking about life, but then death comes um a lot uh, in constellation work and actually i must admit there was a there was our um one of our modules which was my true nature and i came with this idea of oh i'm going to discover what is my true calling or something that was something in my head and i left with such a pervasive feeling of uh, of one of the sentences you said that our true nature is that we are mortal and uh, it was maybe one of the strongest modules I have experienced. And, and what I think I learned that I didn't know was how much we reject death and how much we don't have rituals to give it its proper place. So I would like to hear more from you. What do you see in your practice and how did you kind of integrate death in your life? Yeah, that is a very nice question um, and very nice um, <laughs> um, experience of yours that you shared. Um, yes, coming coming in uh, touch with our mortality or being bringing that to our awareness. That yeah, this is part of our nature. That that uh, everything 
which is born has to die, um, brings gives us a different perspective to life. And of course, we all know that. <laughs> but to actually uh, bring this into our awareness and to live life with the awareness of imminent death um, is really something different. It is um, teaching us how to live well. It's forcing us to live well. Because we know that death is just around the corner. They say, well, if you if you turn, that death is um, behind our left shoulder all the time. If you turn fast enough, you might be able to get a glimpse of it. So it is living with that awareness which actually makes love more life more precious. And we become more grateful for the time that we do have on this earth, which is very short in the you know, bigger scheme of things. Um, so yeah, it is the the awareness of our own mortality. Uh, is a great uh, potentially a uh, yeah, great source of light, joy, and gratitude. Also, what is connected to that um, is um, connection uh, to our true nature, which we could also say, uh, which are with our essence. We mentioned that before, like connection with our essence. Well, what is our essence? Um, of course, I won't even try to um, answer that question or explain it. Or uh, I mean, we we don't know. Uh, but what we do know is that this this essence that uh, that is there when. Everything else is gone, <laughs> and which is there when we strip ourselves from all our identities, for example. <laughs> so what is it? Like if all of that is gone, what remains? And, and we could also say, okay, what even when we die, you know, when we are dead, the essence of us maybe outlives, not maybe, but we know it does outlive our physical existence. I mean, we know that because we, we like, for example, if our parents are dead, they are very much in our body and we are very much in, the, in their energy field and um, we have memories of them for as long as that is there. You know, we have an energetic connection. And in constellations, more practically, actually, when we set up representatives for dead persons, we actually see that their energy is still very much alive. So there is there is something of our essence which outlives even our physical death. So what does that mean then, connecting to that essence? Yeah? And what, what is that essence? Of course, we don't know what it is, how to call it, and we don't have to. But we can make an effort that during our lifetime we we connect to that essence and that we stay connected to it as much as we can. And this is partly what's, what's why I love constellation work because it does uh, connect me to that, the practice and teaching of the work, and it connects me to that. 
And I see it connects others to that essence as well. Um, and it, it, it is also... Um, yeah, it is. It is also a, a spiritual path. It is a path of spiritual development. So it is. It is really connecting with the with the spiritual aspects of our existence, which feeds our essence, <laughs> which feeds us, and which makes us not afraid of death, and which makes us live our lives fully, and which also gives us support and and. Uh, makes our life successful, our lives successful in a very, very broad sense of that term. Mm. And I, I just want to um, come back to uh, the ritual of uh, of letting go of the dying. And uh, I remember one one constellation um, very somehow vividly where it was the gratefulness for what we have gotten from someone again and then allowing them to go on their own terms and uh, and this was so healing for me to have that sentence somehow uh and to kind of not be in control of of like being the bigger than life basically um, and I'm just wondering, maybe that kind of wh what is wh what's the place that you connect to when you give this kind of sentence, for example, and what is that peaceful center for you when when you know I'm letting you um, go on your own terms? Um, hopefully, this this work constellation work is done from this empty center as much as possible. And this empty center is quite full, <laughs> we could also say. It's empty of, you know, our expectations, plans, control, judgment, you know, but it is full of, of essence, we could say. So I think through that empty center we connect with, with the essence. Um, and in that essence, um, very little of what we usually think of as important in life, <laughs> very little of that remains there. Um, so it, it's just basically letting go of all of that. Um, and uh, connecting with others through that essence as well and allowing everyone to be connected to that essence through their own particular life's journey or, or particular destiny. So, for example, if our father died young, when we were five, it was, of course, a huge blow to us. Um, it probably shaped the course of our life from then on, a relationship with our mother, you know, a relationship with him, of course. It, it, it influenced us probably in many, in many different ways. Um, and then we go into this, oh, I wish it wasn't so, and I, I was shortchanged 
and I I was supposed to receive more, but I didn't, and maybe even be angry about that. Yeah, and um, not not having then a loving place for our father in our heart, we reject him, so we cut off ourselves from our life energy, which comes through him. So the, all these complications. So in constellations, we have seen that if we manage to connect with the essence of, of his uh, life's journey, if you like, and of his destiny, and if we can allow him to have his destiny, and if we with respect, if we respect that, and if we don't try to interfere with our ideas of success and what is good or successful life or long life, and, you know, when is a person su supposed to die or not, when we don't interfere with our um, thoughts and judgments, then we can allow each person their own destiny. And that's releasing and relieving for them and for us, then we can also live our own destiny. Then we also take our proper place in our life with these particular circumstances and we make the most out of that. And each, each one of us has got their own life's journey, a particular life's journey and maybe a particular destiny and that has to be respected so we must not um, in a sense interfere with our judgments and thoughts and wishes um, with, with that and we also have noticed that if we do it like that we'd say with the help of constellations if we manage to to get the person to that point where um, where a person uh, connects, say, with a father, with such a father, with such a destiny, then there is a respect for father, for, for his birth, for his life, and for his death. And then we can leave his destiny to him and also accept the terms of our own destiny. And we see that, that then from that point, from that position, it's it's something can open up for us. What can open? The whole world <laughs> opens up for us. So if we are connected with that essence, then a lot a lot is possible. So as I said, this goes this goes further than, than therapy uh, or you know just working with people who have issues in their lives. This is like uh, the the, uh, the work or the journey that we could all um benefit from yeah yeah um i think i have exhausted the questions at this moment <laughs> uh, i want to ask would you like to add something that you think i haven't asked <laughs> um no i don't think uh, i can't think of anything i think uh, we've been talking for quite a long time and, and uh, we have covered a lot of ground and you have asked to really 
um, good questions and very uh, like essential questions, I could say, which did bring us to the essence really of, of this wonderful um, approach that I'm using and uh, the essence of this wonderful life that we are <laughs> that we are grateful to to be living. And so yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I think it also feels for me very uh, rounded and. Um, complete so i will just do the rapid fire questions <laughs> which oh, are not we have to which do. are not about uh <laughs> any nothing about uh, danger uh one is what is one absurd thing about you that not many people know about and this is my favorite one of which one of uh, absurd thing that not many people know about you absurd, absurd. oh I don't know <laughs> if I do anything absurd. Um, I I make jam. <laughs> <laughs> I go like some twenty kilos of little little plums, you know, and and dip in them. Um, you know, it takes me hours <laughs> just to make jam out of them. I think that's pretty absurd. Um, or I I also. Um, come back to check the, the every door that I lock, you know, be it a car. Or, I, I have to come back at least once, sometimes. Um, several times. <laughs> sometimes several times. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a bit absurd, I think. And uh, what kind of compliments, if any, do you like to receive? I don't like to receive compliments, basically, in general. Um yeah. Um, I, I give myself compliments <laughs> and I think I can assess the best um, if I have done something good, right or useful or kind uh, better than any anyone else and I can also be my worst critic too uh, but yeah, compliments are usually like, uh, you know, superficial or trite or, um, so I kind of assess myself on a much more <laughs> deeper basis, <laughs> um, I'd like to think. And, uh, yeah, and it's um, um, I, I really am at a point in my life where I don't care um, what others think about me much. So, you know, whether someone wants to compliment me or criticize me, I don't buy too much into that so so yeah if you if you like receiving compliments then you know you have to <laughs> be hear uh, criticism as well and then i mean you you uh, adjust yourself to that no i've got different um, reference points mm. <laughs> and what do you like to gift people um I don't make many gifts, um, really. Um, hardly any. Um, I think what I gift uh, to people is is my presence, uh, my my care, uh, my maybe my perception, um, and my. Um, um, Ah, like my 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 goodwill. <laughs> I can 
um, think of someone in a particular way, you know, and and wish them well. And um, I think that's that's a gift that maybe some people receive even without without knowing. Um, but it's it's that I don't give material gifts really. Mm-hmm. Well, now we are completely done. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for taking the time. And I really learned again a lot and enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you, Alexandra, again for creating this opportunity for, you know, I've learned a bit about myself too <laughs> through this. Um, and yes, the questions were great and the overall experience was very pleasant and hopefully it's going to be useful to um, to the listeners. Upravo ste čuli priču Alemke Dauska, magistra psihologije, gestalt terapeuta i sistemskog konstelatora sa dugogodišnjim iskustvom rada u oblasti savjetovanja, porodične terapije i traume. Od prvog susreta sa konstelacijskim radom preko edukacije s Bertom Hellingerom, ona već godinama vodi konstelacije i očkolovala generacije konstelatora od kojih se mnogi danas i sami bave ovom metodom. Ako želite da saznate više o njenom radu, posjetite internet stranicu Konstelacija Kroacija. Hvala što ste deo ovog putovanja i ukoliko vam se ovaj razgovor dopada, podijelite kako bi naše priče dospjele do više ljudi.